There's a word for us in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. I think it's going to be very challenging for us today. And I also want to just give this precursor that the, the story that we're going to read this morning is very hard to understand in today's mindset, today's culture. In Genesis chapter 22, this is a very popular scripture. If you've not heard it, when you've left today, you will be able to say that you've heard it. But I'm praying that God will take a different approach this morning and speak to you. And I just want to say this. I'm aware that there are people in here that have different levels of spiritual faith. There are some who are babies in the faith. There are some who are mature in the faith. There are some here this morning that maybe you're questioning your faith. There are some here this morning that maybe you don't have a faith. And to everybody, I would say this. You're welcome here this morning. You're welcome here this morning. Genesis 22 says this, verse 2. God is speaking to Abraham, and he says, Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Listen to what he says here. On one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, what's interesting about this is that sometimes God gives a plan for us, but he doesn't always give the details. And just a moment of honesty in here, who would say that you often pray for details? You want to know ABC so I can get to XYZ. Do you know why God doesn't always give you the details that you want? Because God, if God gave you the exact plan, you would trust more in the plan of God than the person of God. And when the plan went wrong and it didn't go how you wanted it to, then you'd be like, why, God? Sometimes God just says, hey, you just need to step out this way and trust that I'm going to lead you, that I'm going to guide you. Maybe this morning someone feels like you're on a faith journey and you don't even know where you're going, but God just said, keep going, I'll tell you when you get there. He said, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there, your son Isaac, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Listen, so Abraham got up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering, and he set out to go to the place God had told him about. When God calls us to do something, we should set out on that journey, even when it does not make sense. On the third day, I love this, it says that Abraham looked up. Now, what do we know about when it comes to spiritual, biblical numerology about the third day? Jesus rose on the third day, right? Amen. See, on this day, Abraham, he looked up in the distance and he saw this place that God was talking about. But on the third day when Jesus, he rose from the grave and in the distance he saw the cross where humanity tried to stop him. But what we see is where divinity started a great plan for us. I'm fixing to start preaching before I even start preaching. Verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young man, he said, stay here with the boy, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife. And the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to the father. He spoke to his father this morning. I'm wondering, those of us who are in Christ, are you speaking to the father? He spoke to his father Abraham. And he said, my father... 
replied, here I am, my son, Isaac said. The fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb and the burnt offering. Somebody needs to know this morning. Things look, you're in, a, you're in a dire situation and you feel like God's putting you in, a, in, a, in an area of your life that you can't really understand or grasp and it doesn't make sense and you just need to know this, that God's going to provide for you. It's a, it's a season of trust for somebody. It's a season of trust and maybe it's faith or it's finances or it's your marriage or I don't know what it is. It's illness, it's cancer, it's criticism, it's sickness, it's slander. God provides because he's a good, good father. Then the two of them walked on together. Verse 9, when they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. Listen, he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. It's so hard for us to imagine. As a father, it is for me. Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Hey, if you are ready to hear God's word this morning over your life, can we celebrate that? Thank you, worship team. Thank you, worship team. This morning, we're continuing in a series that we call The Christian Atheist. This morning, we're in part three, and I want to just remind you that every week we record our services live, so if you missed a week um, or there was just something you felt like God spoke to you, because surely you don't forget anything that happens on Sunday, you can just go back and listen to it again on our podcast. But we're in this series called Christian Atheist, and I think when people first see this, there's this tension of like, what? Is that an oxymoron? And we define a Christian atheist as this. It's someone who, it means believing in God, believing in God, but living as if he doesn't exist. The first week we talked about, I believe in God, but don't know him. Last week we talked about, I believe in God, but don't trust him. And then specifically this morning, if you're taking notes, we're talking about, I believe in God, but don't fear him. We're calling this message, Fearful Christianity. Fearful Christianity. Christianity. And something that's just stuck out with me that I want to just reemphasize on this is there are many Christian atheists today, perhaps sitting in this room, perhaps you have one. A study that we shared, the statistic the first week of the series was that 75% of Americans claim to believe in God. And I just want to ask you something by a show of hands. Do 75% of the people you know live like they believe in God? Me either. James 2.19 says this. James is writing there. He says, hey, listen, you say you believe that you have faith because there is one true God, and I love it. He says, good for you. Even the demons believe that. So if you're here this morning and you say, I believe in Jesus, the apostle James will say, good for you. You're no different than the demons. See, there's something more to the Christian life than just making a proclamation. A proclamation without a demonstration is useless. You should be saying it. I thought that was a good word, and I don't know why anybody else didn't write that down or at least tag me on Facebook, okay? <laughs> Give me some love here. Let's engage. This isn't just me speaking to you. This is us sharing the word of God, okay? There's something more than just professing a faith. A lot of times we, we feel comfortable in just saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. And let's just be honest. 
That word today in our society is very watered down, and I'm not even sure what it means anymore. Today in our society, particularly, let's just bring it home, here in the South, people call themselves Christians by default, just because you're from the South, you're from the Bible Belt. And I want to say this as we continue on, that as we go into this, series, or this message today, the part of this series, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, that you're going to hear some things this morning that could really make me sound very uh, yeah, religious, very legalistic. And I want to make sure that you understand that what you're going to hear today from me is God's truth for your life. My job is not to judge you or condemn you. In fact, Christ came not to judge you or condemn you, so why should I? And for that matter, why should you judge or condemn anybody else? So this isn't about me saying, hey, you're terrible. Okay? This is about me saying, hey, you need to challenge your thoughts. You need to be thinking about reflecting on your lifestyle in Christ. And I, can, I want to be honest with you. If you like start squirming and like your toes start getting tired or you start getting hot and that, like that nervous sweat, maybe, maybe, maybe God's speaking to you. And what I want you to understand is the difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and condemnation from me. There is no condemnation from me, okay? I'm not here to make you feel guilty. That's why I said at the beginning, hey, you need to lower your guard this morning because it's going to be really easy for you to be defensive against me. It's going to be really easy for you to say, that's bull, or whatever. So, we're talking about fearful Christianity this morning. I believe in God, but don't fear him. And I want to just say this. If you're here this morning, and you would just flat out say, hey, dude, I'm only here because I heard y'all had fresh baked donuts and coffee. I don't even believe in Jesus. That's okay. Then you can just kind of sit on the outside this morning mentally. I'm talking to those who would say, hey, I profess it. I'm going to challenge you this morning to live it out. Does anybody, anybody get scared easy in here? Anybody going to admit it? Anybody get scared? One person, two people? It's all right. Hey, listen, be honest, man. It's all good. It's all good. So let me tell you what happened just a couple days ago. Um, I pull into my, uh, Errol and I, my, my wife, we, we live here in, in Clinton, and I pull into my house, and I was, I know this is terrible, but I was watching something on my phone while I was driving, and I was like, hey, I, I got to stop that. That's not good. So I pull into my house, and I, well, I'm gonna be honest, I lied. I didn't stop watching because I felt guilty. I didn't want to run my Wi-Fi up. So I hit pause. I pull into my driveway where I have Wi-Fi reaches outside, so I turn it back on. Well, I'm sitting there forever, and I think it was raining that day or something, so I had my headlights on, and I rolled my windows up just enough to where I could, like, breathe and not smother, you know what I mean? Well, apparently a lot of time went by, and I didn't realize how much time it went by, and I go to open my door, and I can't get out. And I was like, Crazy. And then I, I, I grabbed the clicker. Oh, no, actually, I hit the door, the unlock. I have electric locks, and it doesn't move. And I'm like, hmm. So I, then I grab the clicker, my keychain, and start pressing it, and nothing's happening. I put the key in, and nothing's happening. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I'm just, this is pastor's confession. I'm in my driveway, and literally, I had a split thought, oh, God, I'm going to die. Like I start, you know, I start feel like I'm breathing real deep. I put my mouth up to the window to catch a breath. And I think, nobody, I'm going to die in my driveway and nobody knows I'm here. And finally, I quit acting like a little girl, called my wife and said, hey, babe, I know this is crazy, but I'm out here in the driveway locked inside my truck. Can you come help me? And she's like, what? 
And luckily, I somehow was able to unlock the back door, so I had to climb out. Anyway, I guess I'd sit there so long with my lights on that my battery died. I had lost complete track of time. But I'll be honest with you. This is not, I'm not trying to be like tough, macho, but I just don't get scared of a lot of things really easy. But in that moment, I was like fearful, for real. I was like, you know, what it's like when you get real nervous, you kind of start breathing heavy. And I, I had this thought, too. I was like, oh, God, I hope that my family knows I love them. I've tried, I've tried my best. And I was like, no, get it together, Peyton. Get it together, man. It's fine. You're good. I'll tell you something else that really, uh, if I'm going to make a confession, make myself vulnerable, something that really scares me are, I call them, I'm not sure what the correct word is, but cave crickets. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those big, nasty crickets. Like, so we have, a, we have a full basement in our house, but it's, you know, there's brick down there. And I guess some, you know, kind of, sometimes it gets moist and those crickets will come down there. They'll get in our garage. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Those things freak me out. I cannot stand them. They look prehistoric to me. They are just, I feel like the world would be much better if we didn't have to. I don't even know what they do, what their purpose is. But oftentimes, they'll get up in our vents and in our, in our living room and our bathroom and stuff like that. And I'll hear like, you know, babe or Peyton. And I'll be honest with you, I have been known when it comes to having to kill those to throw a very big comforter over a small one and like jump from the couch to get that bad boy because they freak me out. I am fearful of cave crickets. And here's the thing about crickets, though, man, is this, is you may walk up behind it, and it looks like it's facing that way, but it jumps right back at you. You know what I mean? It's like you, you got to get out of the way every time because you don't know where they're going. It's, it's, it's crazy. Now, some of us, though, listen, we are fearful of legitimate things, superstitious things. Rope it in here. Rope it in. We don't want to walk under ladders. Anybody, anybody superstitious with their... Any like that? Don't walk on a ladder. Don't step. Yeah, one down here, two, three. All right, it's all right. Don't want to step on a crack. You might fall and break your mother's back and all that. Some of us are, we're, you know, we're fearful of things like this. Being alone. Being alone. Some of us are fearful that we'll never accomplish what other people think we should. Some of us are fearful that we'll never accomplish what we think or wish we could. Some of us are fearful about silly things like cave crickets. But what's happening in our society with those who proclaim to be Christians is this. We are living a fearful life. We have left no room for the fear of God. We've left no room for the fear of God in our lives. Now, just to give you a great understanding of what this, where we're going and what this series is about, specifically, we're talking about those who believe in God but live as if he doesn't exist. This morning, we're talking about our fearful Christianity. We have so much other things that we're scared of or fearful of that we just leave no room for God. And to give you a greater understanding of like a biblical context of like, hey, is a Christian atheist, is that even for real? There's a guy named the Apostle Paul. Many of you may have heard him. He wrote many books in the New Testament. He's writing a letter to the guy named Titus. Titus is a young pastor and a young leader. And listen to what Paul tells him in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. So they profess, Christian, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. Atheist. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are, listen, detestable, disobedient, and disqualified for any good work. This is our theme verse for the whole series. Those who profess to know God, but deny Him by their works. This morning, I believe in God, but I don't really fear Him. I think it's really important that we understand this, that 
to, great, to get a really good understanding and a context of what I mean by fear, first let me say this. For those who grew up in church, or maybe you didn't grow up in church, you just had family and friends that did, the pendulum used to swing really far to one side. So when we think of the fear of God, and it, it's still, many of us feel this way today, we think of the fear of God and we think of a lightning bolt coming down from heaven, God sitting up on the throne. As soon as I make a mistake, like my hands are going to fry and he's going to, you know, remove every blessing from me. Maybe you might have heard it like this, turn or burn. That's when you think of the fear of God, you think of things like that. You think of this mean, you know what, I'll tell you what it often reminds me of. The fear of God, when the pendulum was really far to this side, reminds me of the grumpy grandpa is what people think of God. He's just always hateful. If you don't do good, he's always going to call you out. Now, on the flip side of that, now in today's 21st century, the pendulum has swung, swung really far this way to where like we have no fear whatsoever or even care about the fear of God. And so we would say things like this. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to. I mean, I work hard for that money. Why should I give it to him? Right? Or, hey, listen. God, I love you, man, but I work six days a week and Sunday's my only day to rest. Let me be honest with you. There are empty seats in here because people feel like they need to rest this morning. So it swung, it swung really far this way, and it used to be really far this way. So for us to get a good understanding, when I say fear of God, I think the greatest definition would be this. Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Loving Him plus respecting Him equals fearing Him. Now, a great example is um, I love my wife and respect her. And I shared this in our volunteer service. At five foot one, I do fear her sometimes because she is feisty. But I don't fear her physically, per se, though I'm not going to lie, there may have been times in the past where I have. It's more so out of a love and respect for her. Does that make sense? I've got three men on my elder board, and they've all spoke here. Bobby Williams, Dr. Dan Greider, and Rodney Arnold. I have a fear for those men because I love and respect them. Are you with me? That's what I'm talking about when I say fear God. Not that you have to walk under with an umbrella or like hide under this table, but loving him and respecting him. And I would also add this, that if we're going to love God, if we're going to respect him, that equals fear. I would also say then that that fear should drive us into obedience. Look back at verse 2 in Genesis 22. So God says, take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there. Where is there? There is the place of obedience. There is always the place of obedience. See, some people, see, you thought you were coming here this morning for church, but God brought you, he made your here there because he has a word for you today. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about, verse 3. So God speaks, and then listen what happens. So Abraham got up early in the morning. It's suggestive that maybe God spoke to him in the night, the evening. And listen, I love it. It doesn't say, so Abraham said, God, give me two more weeks till I can work a little bit more overtime. God, I'd love to, but my kids are acting crazy this morning. You know I can't get ready when my kids are acting crazy. I'll step on somebody's toes. 
Abraham, because he loved and respected God, he feared him, which drove him to being obedient to God. So God spoke, so Abraham got up early in the morning, he saddled his donkey, and he took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. And not only did he do that, but he went into great preparation. He split this wood, and he set out for the place that God had told him about. Now, this morning... If you're in Christ, God is constantly speaking to us and telling us what's next or, or where we should go or, or things that we need to be doing to, to give Him glory and to mature in our faith. And I would say this, that the greatest evidence of the fear of God is obedience to God. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is obedience to God. And I might add this. This is where it can sound a little churchy and religious and legalistic, but just remove that filter from you. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If God says go and you say hold up, aren't you then becoming God? It says Abraham, he got up, I mean, potentially maybe a couple hours. And it doesn't even suggest that he was sleeping. It doesn't say that, but maybe he was making preparation. So if you want to know, do you love and respect God? Do you have this fear for Him? Do you listen to what He tells you to do? Do you listen to what He tells you to do? Now, what's important to understand is this. So like, if there's a fear there, a love and respect, we will be obedient. But I want to just show you the flip side of that, of what sin will do to drive out that fear. To make you disobedient, if you will. I know that's such like a churchy word, and it feels like almost even weird coming out, but it's relative because it shows the relationship that Christ wants with us. You need to know that this morning, that that's what he wants. The flip side of that is this. It's Psalm 36, 1. Listen to this. Sin whispers to the wicked. Listen, deep within their hearts, they have no fear of God at all. Let me tell you what that might look like. Sin whispers to the wicked, those who don't follow. They have no fear of God at all. So sin would sound like this. Sin would say, whispering, hey, listen, that church is going to be fine if you don't tithe. I know that you love God. You don't have to give anything. You and God are still good. Or, hey, listen, you're an adult. You don't really have to wait till you're married to have sex. It's not that big of a deal anyway. I mean, it's your body. Sin whisper deep within the heart. Hey, man, it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and do it if you want to do it. God will forgive you. It whispers deep deep because they have no fear of God at all. I want to make sure that I'm, under, or that, I, that I'm helping you understand that what I'm talking about here is not someone who is perfect, okay? Any perfect people in here? Good. That means I'm the only one. I'm not talking about perfect people. I'm talking about those who would say, hey, listen, can I give you my definition of what a Christian should be? And I'm not redefining it, but I'm just making it maybe more relevant for some of you. 
I would say a Christian is someone who has committed their life to Christ. And what that means is they are attempting to follow the teachings of Jesus and display those every day in their life. So we're not talking about someone who has it all together. Because, listen, newsflash, no one has it all together. No one. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some have it together more than others. And some people are a hot mess. But nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. And and so what I'm saying then is this, that love and respect for the Father is not because we fear His wrath per se, though you should be aware that everyone will face judgment. I mean, you will. But it's more so out of His love, His grace, His mercy, because He's a good, good Father. Listen to what verse 5 says. It says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. Where is there? The place of obedience. There is the place of obedience. And listen what he says. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Now listen. Let me just, let's just be real for a moment if we can and just not, not try to be super spiritual. I have a little boy and I have a little girl. And I'm just trying, I'm preparing this week, I'm, you know, studying this morning, just reading over, praying about it, and I have a hard time wrapping my mind, and if I'm just being honest with you, that God's calling Abraham to sacrifice his only son and to consider it worship. I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. And I think that we would say, hey, maybe some of us have this tension of, that's ridiculous that God would say, you need to sacrifice your son. But we must recall, Samantha, that God did that with his own son for you and you. He sacrificed his son as well. And the scripture says it pleased the father to crush him. And so I think then this, Abraham, because he loves and respects and he's being obedient, he sees his sacrifice as worship. He sees his sacrifice as worship. Now, listen, next week we're doing something that we're calling the harvest offering. We spoke about it earlier in the welcome and offering. And, and, and what I'm asking you to do is this. It's to sacrifice and consider it worship. To sacrifice and, and consider it worship. Then I love this. So his fear and love drove him to this incredible place of sacrifice. He considers it worship because he loves God. And then, he says, then we'll come back to you. Now, I don't think that Abraham is being deceitful here. I don't think his intention is to say, okay, in my mind, I know I'm going to take Isaac over here, but I'm really not going to do what God's asked me to do. What I believe is this, is that Abram, he stepped out in faith, driven by fear because he loves and respects God, and he doesn't know how God's going to make a way. He doesn't know how him and his son are going to come back, but somehow God's going to do what only he can do. Somebody this morning needs to know this. You're in a situation where there's something that only God can do, and he will do it if you'll step out in faith, if you'll go to the land that he tells you about, if you'll love and respect him. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? He says, stay here. I'm going to go worship God while I give up what I love the most. I'm going to go worship him 
while I give up something I love. Maybe there's something in your life that God is calling you to sacrifice, and that one thing that you don't want to let go of could actually lead you to worshiping the Father. One of the reasons I think that many Christians have a hard time fearing God is one of two reasons. One, you're still in the mindset that God's way up there in heaven. He's sitting on this throne. He's got binoculars, and he's just watching every step you take. And as soon as you make a mistake, it's like, or you think, you're, think, you're thinking God's the one that gave you the flat tire on the interstate. Why would you do this, God? I'm, I'm sorry. Why would you give me a flat tire? And the reality is you just ran over a piece of glass or something like that, okay? Or you curbed it. God is not that kind of God where he's just going to... I mean, listen, do you, know what, you want to know what the Father is, really? The greatest picture of God, no doubt we have the Old Testament, Genesis through, through Malachi, because it's very important to understand what led up to Jesus. But if you want to know what God is, who he is, his nature, his character, you look no further than the cross. Look no further than the cross. That's who he is. That's the type of father he is. So for those who say, you know, I just, man, I'm not going to fear him. I don't even leave room for that because I don't want to get struck by lightning. Well, you've been, honestly, you've been misinformed. Or you don't know the God that you say you believe in because he is not like that. That's good news for everybody, Lottie Dottie, everybody in here. He's a good, good father. We are loved by him. It's who we are. It's who he is. The second reason that I believe we don't fear God is because you don't understand, and this could sound selfish, okay? If you're churchy, this could sound selfish. The second reason that I believe we don't fear God is because you don't understand how much he loves you, but also the benefit of the relationship with him is. This picture is a picture of an Africa impala. These are found up on Brasville Mountain. I'm just kidding, they're not. But you know Brasville, it's wild up there, buddy. This African Impala, and I want you to look here, okay? Can you see the little SUV on the left over there? These African Impalas, man, they have like, they can get up to like a 7 to 10 foot vertical. That's incredible, right? I mean, I want to make sure we're in it. I'm like 6'5", so I mean... It's just, a, I'm talking, you know, boom, straight up, and they can leap 30 feet. Here, it's actually being chased by a lion, and you can't, we can't see the rest of the photo, but it's actually has jumped all the way across the road, and it's coming down. You can see, really, at its peak, it was way over that car. Would you agree? I mean, it's very obvious. Now, here's what's amazing about this African Impala. You and this animal have a lot in common. I do, too. That wasn't like a knock at you. We all do. Look at this next picture. This next picture is amazing. It's kind of different kind, but I want, do, you, do you see the concrete wall back there? You see the animal laying there? This African Impala, it can, it can jump 7 to 10 feet vertical, 30 foot distance. But do you know what keeps it in this zoo right here? A 3 foot wall. Sounds ridiculous, right? But do you know why? Because it can't see where its feet's going to land on the other side. This morning, you don't want to trust God because you're not exactly sure where He's going to take you. 
you don't want to fear God because you're afraid of what's on the other side if you give it all to him. One second. Let me turn my mic down. Mm-hmm. I know it. Trust me. I know because this is me too. I'm not just preaching to you. This is us. We're in this together. And I understand this scenario because that's me a lot of times. I've got the ability to soar when it comes to Christ, but I let this little bitty wall stop me because I'm not sure what's on the other side. Some of you here this morning, you need to hear this. This is the truth, and I understand this, that my job is to tell you that truth regardless of what you think about me, that I want you to love me. Man, my wife, we like gondolier and Harrison's if you ever want to take us out for lunch. But listen, some of you, your faith is apathetic. You are lazy. You're lazy and you know it. You know it. Your toes are cringing. You're thinking, God, I hope he doesn't know that that's me. And I don't know. I know some of you, though. I tell you if you ask me. But your faith is lazy. You're like this African Paul. You're just sitting in a cage and God just wants you to break out and walk in glory and walk in faith and walk in victory. Am I speaking to anybody in here this morning? So the moral of the story is this. Don't be an African Paul. Y'all have a good week. (laughs) Listen, Jesus always makes provision for those who follow him. We follow him because we love and respect him. We obey him because we are driven by fear, which leads to worship. Amen. I want us to look back at this last portion of Scripture the last half of this story, to really tie this in this morning. Genesis chapter 22, starting at verse 7. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham. He spoke to his father and said, My father, listen, did you know what you call someone determines how well you know them? I shared this last week or the week before, I don't know, but what you call someone determines how well you know them. And just to quickly rehash that, because this is important, because we have a good, good father. If someone calls me on the phone and says, good evening, Mr. Wills, you're most likely a telemarketer, or you want something from me that I don't want to give you, and you just got hung up on it. If you call me Peyton, you, you probably know me well enough to where you can engage me. If you call me pastor, it's because you respect what I do. Isaac speaking to his father. This morning, I'm wondering, what do you call the Lord? What do you call him? Did you know when Jesus spoke out on the cross, Abba, Abba, Father, Father, do you know what like a transliteration of that is if you break that down into English? We've talked about this here at our church. It's important for everybody to know this. And this is going to make you feel uncomfortable, maybe because you're not there yet. So maybe, I don't know. He's actually saying, Daddy. Daddy. So here he's saying, Daddy. And the father replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I want you to imagine Abraham standing right here by Isaac, and he knows what God's asked him to do. He knows that right here stands the offering. Right here it is. Verse 8. Abraham answered, listen, God himself will provide. See, a lot of times you think that you're working yourself out of the situation. You want to say, look how good I am. 
No, 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 no. Look how good the Father is. God himself here will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. This morning, if you would say, just being honest, there's something in your life that you need God to do. If you don't believe in Jesus and you're not even sure, that's okay. I'm not really talking to you right now. But if you are in Christ and there's something in your life that you need God to provide, it's happiness, it's peace, it's joy, it's relationship, it's restoration, it's finances, it's increasing your faith, whatever it is. If you need God to provide something for you this morning, can we just all raise our hand? Amen. God will provide that. God will provide the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together, verse 9. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. See, sometimes the the deal is this, is God's going to provide it, but you still may have to do some work, Michael. I mean, I, I think a good way to say it is like this, is God may help you win the battle, but you better be ready to march all night. Woo! Come on, man, don't leave me hanging. At least make me feel good. God's going to provide, but we've got to do our part too. We could say it like this. There's, uh, there's some supernatural things that only God can do, and then there's the natural that we have to do. You've got to put in the work, Chris. You've got to put in the work. We trust that it comes from Him, but we're going to do our part as well. See, we're saved by grace through faith. It takes both. He built the altar there. There's the place of obedience, and He arranged the wood. He bound His son Isaac. Listen, some of you, you're fighting something today and you just need to bind that joker up. You just need to bind it up and put it on the altar. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. Now, I often think, I'm not saying this is exactly right, but I try to, in my southeastern country, small town guy, try to think of what this looks like. And here sits Isaac. Here lays Isaac bound on this altar. And Abraham takes this knife. And it says to slaughter. Now, I don't know if anybody's killed anybody in here. But this wouldn't have been a pretty thing. You're welcome here if you have done that. Just make sure to let our safety team know, okay? And you probably can't volunteer in kids, okay? I'm sorry. He took the knife to slaughter his son. This morning, whatever it is that you need to lay on the altar, you got to get ready to really get rid of it. If it's pride, if it's depression, whatever it is, you got to be ready to let it go in Jesus' name. you got to be ready to go. you got to be. you got to slaughter. And I imagine Abraham, he's standing over his son, and I suppose he would only take faith to do that because no father in his right mind can do such a thing. Back up. I made a mistake there. Abraham was in his right mind. What I'm saying is today, a father who loves his son. Verse 11. Look, but, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and I have two thoughts right here. I believe one is that Abraham, he's standing there with a knife and he hears his voice and he's just cringing and he hears his name and he's like, you know, like, thank you, God, here, here I am. Or the second one is he's very emotional. He's like, here I am, God, here I I hear you. I hear you. This morning he's speaking to you. The angel of the Lord is speaking. And I'm asking you, do you hear him this morning? Do you hear him today? Abraham replied, here I am, verse 12. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. Say it with me. For now I know that you 
fear him. Say it again. For now I know that you fear God. Look, since you have not withheld your only son. Woo! I can still keep going. I can still keep going. Here's the deal. Loving God and respecting God equals fearing God. Our fear will often drive us to worship. Our worship will cause to sacrifice. But it is then and only then God makes provision that only He can do. This morning, many of us have a fearful Christianity. And I'm asking you to make room for the Father. See, that day, Abraham, we can say he stepped out in faith and all this. But the reality is this. is He was driven by love and respect to give something that God had first given him. This morning, we worship a God who gave us his only son. Will you leave some room in your heart this morning for the Father? Do you believe he's a good, good father? Do you believe that he provides for his children? Can we celebrate that this morning?